Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 14, we're talking about angels. So we're talking about angels and ministering spirits. And the reason why this came out was in prayer, in our corporate prayer on Tuesday mornings, um, we have been praying for well over, I want to say a year now, at least a year now, if not longer, as far as consistently praying. And uh, it has been, it's just been awesome. I mean, the group has grown and uh, just in their, not only in number wise, but but it has grown in the ability to pray together and to flow together and function together. It's just, it's awesome. But one thing that we've found ourselves praying about over and over again is the ministry of angels. Uh, there are times where we've, you know, been declaring the word of God and, and we've been prompted about angels going out and ministering. And angels actually, and we, we're not going to get into this tonight, but that what they do is they actually listen for the word of God coming through the church and they begin to move to confirm that word. They position things in the spirit. They remove darkness. They remove demonic uh, um, spirits. And, and you've got to realize this. Demonic spirits are fallen angels. They're fallen angels. That's what they are. And so demons are actually angels. They're just fallen. They're not holy angels anymore. They're actually... Uh, they're, they're, uh, uh, they're under the control and the leadership of Satan, but they're all fallen angels. They were all created beings. And so the angels of heaven go to war in enforcing the covenant that has already been established in victory through the blood and body of Jesus Christ. <laughs> So we're going to get into this when we get into how we cooperate with the Lord and then how angels cooperate with us. That's not going to be tonight, um, but it's exciting once you get into that. So I wanted to whet your appetite just a little bit and uh, get you thinking that direction. But anyway, so we were, we were talking about these angels. And you may say to yourself, why is it important? What, I mean, why, why is it important to understand this subject? You may be a young person watching. You may be... Uh, uh, middle age, you may have never even, doesn't matter your age, you may never even thought about the angels necessarily, other than, like I said last week, you know, you, you thought about, uh, um, uh, every time you thought about an angel, you thought about the pre- precious moments figures. You know, it's just this little fat baby in a diaper with some little wings behind it and a harp in its hand and a halo over its head. Listen, our angels are not like that. First of all, angels are not babies. They, they were, they're not born. They were created. They don't reproduce. They're not human. They don't, re, they don't, they don't have little angel families and, you know, go on little angel vacations. No, none of that happens. That's all nonsense Hollywood garbage. If your understanding of angels and demons is from Hollywood, you are massively confused. That's all I can say about that. Um, because they know nothing about what the Bible teaches concerning angels and demons. But why is it important? It is important to understand this subject so that we do not get deceived when spectacular manifestations happen in the church or in your life. We need to understand the scripture. People say, well, you're against, uh, you're a, a cessationist. You believe all these things have ended. No, no, no. I believe they're all still around. 
But I believe you can only handle the truly powerful, supernatural, spectacular things of God with a true, heavy, weighted anchor of the Word of God in you. I am not against the manifestation of the Spirit. I do not think God died when the apostles died, as Andrew Womack puts it. I don't think that at all. I think God is still doing everything he said he was doing then. He's doing it now, and he wants it to multiply through the body of Christ. But I also know that it is the tendency of all humans, and we'll look at this today, tonight, but it's the tendency of all humans to glorify an experience over the word, and we've got to watch against that. We'll rejoice in the Lord. We'll be excited when we feel Him. But our daily walk, our judging, we judge every experience against the Word of God. And not, listen to me very carefully, not against the Word of God that somebody wrote in a book about the Word of God, the actual Word of God. You say you're against reading books. No, I'm not against any of that. I'm saying it all has to come back and it has to line up with the book. Okay, And I'm not saying people wrote things purposely deceptively. Maybe they didn't know, but it has to weigh out here. And I'll just say this as a pastor. You know, there are different things that are brought to me. And um, my, my, one of the things that Brother Hagen would say to us all the time and what he would always say to everybody else, people would come up to him and they would say, Brother Hagen, what do you think about this subject? Or what do you think about this situation? And his answer over and over and over again was, well, what does the Word of God say about it? What does the Word of God say about it? What does the Word of God say about it? And that ought to become a broken record inside of you when you're looking, when you're reading books, when you're reading things, when you're looking at things, when you're reading about a vision, about a prophecy, about a... I don't care what it is, especially right now. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but in First John... It talks about the fact that we're not supposed to just listen to every voice. We're supposed to judge things against the word. It should become a, a, a broken record to us. It should be within us. What does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word say? And not some obscure word drawn out from the context of scripture, drawn out from the context of where it's at, but really looking at the word of God, really looking at it, at a healthy balance and getting balance to our lives because that keeps us from being deceived. And you say, can you really live in that place? Yes, you really can. You really can. It just really takes an effort. And a lot of times people don't want to take that effort, but you need to. You need to. You need to develop that habit in your life. Uh, another reason why it's important, it is important for us to understand because we do not want to be ignorant of a significant part of the unseen or the spirit realm. It's important to understand the ministry of angels because we don't want to be ignorant um, and not have an understanding of a significant part of God's ministry to the church, which is angelic activity. It is important for us to understand so that we are able to help others in keeping balance biblically with angels. There are people that you're going to run into and go, oh, I believe in angels. Really? What do you believe? Well, I just know they're here. How do you know that? <laughs> and that's what you'll probably get. Crickets. <laughs> Silence. Why? Because they've not studied it. They just believe in angels. Well, angels are real and they're not believing in something false. But why do you believe what you believe? What is the substance? What is the foundation for what you believe? Because if it isn't rooted or founded in the word of God, a storm's going to come and it's going to blow your little angel house over. 
Okay, so you need to have be aware of that and then know, okay, I got to build myself up here, so I better listen closely. All right, so lastly, the most important thing about spectacular manifestations is not what we see, but rather what is being said. Does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up? Can we weight this experience against the Word of God? You know, people often say, well, I had a vision and I saw. Oh, and people go, oh, what did you see? And they talk about how bright it is and how, oh, there was this glowing thing and, and all these different characteristics. And it's amazing. And people get goosebumps and they think, whoo, this is probably the Lord. There's only one way you're going to know what was said. And then that needs to be weighed against the word of God. And if it balances out with the word of God, then we're safe. You say, do you have to go over it over and over again? I don't have to. I just love you enough to do it. If it's irritating you that I am, I'm probably doing it for you. (laughs) Not because I want to just irritate you, but because there could be something there that you need to look at. I know uh, sometimes I'll do this. In fact, I did this tonight with something. And... uh, Um, somebody will bring something to me and I don't want to look at it because I don't want it to be something contrary to what I think it should be. You know, that's not good enough. That's pride. That has to break. I need to look at it for what it is and then go from there and uh, uh, allow the word of God to teach me. So we're studying angels and the study of angels, and we talked about this last week. I'm not going to go over the definition again, but it's called angelology. Angelology. Last week, we talked about the origin of angels. And we actually talked about different passages that they are created. And I want to go to Colossians. Uh, well, let's read Hebrews 1.14 first, because that's our golden text. And then we'll go over to Colossians. It says, Hebrews 1.14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. So that's what angels are. Angels are ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. Now, let's go to Colossians 1, verse 16. And um, this is interesting to me because I actually never saw this verse like this before, um, this passage of Scripture like this before, but it is making sense because I've always correlated Ephesians to actually demon activity and Colossians to demon activity. But there is a, what we see here in Colossians 1.16 is actually just a ranking system. And it does apply, I believe, to demons. But I think it could also apply to angels as well. So let's look at this. It says, Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him, or by Christ, all things were created that are in heaven. Now listen. That are on earth, and that are on earth. So both in heaven and on earth, all things were created by God. Now, that does not mean God created Satan, Satan, or demons as demons. They were all created as holy angels, and at some point they made a decision to rebel against God, and that's how they got the nature they're currently in. They chose to rebel against God. Okay, I don't have time to go into that, but you can go to the website. There's messages on that. One's called Spirit Wars, and the other one is called Unmasking the Enemy, and they have full audio series there available for you. Um, if you want to uh, listen to those. Okay, so last or uh, second half of verse 16, it says, He created everything in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. 
So there is a visible realm and there is a what? An invisible realm, okay? Whether thrones or dominions, these are important words, or principalities or powers. Now there are four different words used there and they all describe rank, okay? Four different words. So there's visible and there's invisible. So think of it like this. In the natural, in the visible, we have authorities. We have different levels of authorities. And they, in our government system, they go all the way up from the lowest authority locally all the way up to our uh, authorities that represent us on the national level to the national authority, uh, like our president, and then vice president. And then you, so you go down the line. You have all these authorities. You have different levels of authorities. The authorities, those are visible authorities. What are invisible authorities? Apparently, in the invisible. Now, I've never had a vision of this. I, I can't you know, tell you what this looks like. All I can tell you is what the scripture says, but I'm safe with that, so I'm good with it. Okay? So, um, there are invisible authorities or places of authority, and they are given here as thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. That's what they're given as. So all things were created uh, through uh, Christ or him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So what are thrones? If you want to write this down, thrones, a throne, or the word throne is a, um, by mentonym, it is for angelic powers, but a throne is a seat of authority. Okay? This is a created being that has a seat of authority. They have a throne. Do you know how all these work? Do you know how it's all structured? I really don't. I honestly don't. And I'm not sure anybody really fully does. But I do know this. Now listen to me closely. I know that the throne of all thrones is seated on by Jesus Christ and that we are seated with him in heavenly places. So the rest of the thrones, eh, I don't know that they ultimately matter. We just need to make sure that we understand the throne and that we obey him. He'll take care of the rest of the thrones. Okay? So we just need to obey him. All right. So I got to preaching a little bit there. We'll get to principalities now. I get excited and there it goes. Principalities. Principalities, the word means chief. In various applications of order, time, place, or rank. It means principle or rule. Principle or rule. That's what a principality is. So this is obviously another place of authority. All right? Powers. Powers. Powers is, in this word is exousia, and it is actually used uh, in the Greek, Greek, it's exousia, and you guys have, many of you have heard that before. And it's used of God. It's actually used of men in our delegated authority in Christ Jesus. But it's here, it's used of angelic beings, and they are called powers. It's also referenced, and that could be fallen or not, okay? It's just angelic. And it has to do with position. It has to do with authority and different things like that. Now, we know 
when it comes to demonic powers, as far as the, uh, we know that the devil is the prince of the power of the air, okay? So there's that prince word, there's a seated place. But we also know that we're seated in heavenly places far above all principality and power and everything wicked. But that doesn't mean every rank in the angelic realm is wicked. There are ranks under Christ in the angelic realm that divide out. So I hope you understand what I'm saying here. I I, I don't, honestly, this is the absolute truth. I don't know enough about it yet to teach you on it, but I see the principle there. So I'm not going to try and dive into it because I, I just can't. But I do see the principle. It's very exciting to me. And I I get excited about it, and sometimes I try and speak on it, and I shouldn't. So that's why I'm keeping myself in in the boundaries here of what I actually uh, understand, at least at this point. The last is dominions. 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 It indicates a grade in the angelic orders in which it stands second. But what I want, I guess what I want to see more, want you to see more than anything here is dominions is lordship, power or dominion, and it indicates a grade in the angelic order. Uh, Dominions is lordship, power or dominion. Those words all interact. It's just a different Greek word here. But to describe it, you have to use some of the same words. It means lordship, power, dominion, and it indicates a grade of angelic orders in, uh, um, in, in, the, in the angelic structure. So, again, these are places of authorities. They are thrones, principalities, powers, and dominions. If you didn't get all those, we'll post the audio again, and the video will be up too. So, we see here ranking. We see different uh, positions of this created uh, being called angels that God created. All right, let's move on to our um, second point here, and that is we're going to talk about the nature of angels, the nature of angels, the nature of angels. Angels are not, are not uh, they don't have physical bodies. They're not corporeal. They, they don't have physical bodies. Angels are ministering spirits. This means they don't have flesh and blood, and they are not limited by flesh and blood like we are. They can appear as a human being, however, and we will see examples of this as we look further into the Word. Although angels don't become human beings, they often appear that way to people. It is at the direction of God when they appear that way. Angels are ministering spirits. They are spirit beings. They have great strength in the spirit world. As uh, we've read in, and we'll go back to it again, but you can see that in in Psalms 103.20. Angels excel in strength. They far surpass humans in strength because they are not limited by flesh and blood. They are limited, they are not limited in any human way like we are, neither are they limited by time and space like we are. In other words, there's a whole lot of activity in the unseen that you don't see that's going on right now, okay? Angels can be limited in what they do, however, if we do not believe and if we walk in disobedience to God, they can't do what they want to do for us. Angels have what are called celestial bodies. 
Angels have what I suppose one could call a celestial body. We have a terrestrial body of this earth. It's made of earth. It's earthy. They have a heavenly body that is not of the same substance, and it does not limit them in any way. One of these days, we are going to have the same kind of celestial body they have, or as Jesus has, and it will not be limited in any way like the terrestrial body you now have. And you can say amen here and at home for that. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm excited about that. Because we live in a limited flesh and blood body today, we need what angels can do for us. They, they do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. They are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation, as we just read in Hebrews. So, angels are spirits. Psalm 104.4. Psalm 104.4 says this, God, he, makes his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. Spirit here in the Hebrew is the word ruach, which many of you have heard that before, and it means wind or breath. Wind or breath. Um, This word spirit is used of non-material beings in heaven, and uh, like there's a scripture that says in 1 Kings uh, 2221, you can mark this one down, but it says, and there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. That's first Kings 2221. So spirits are non-material beings. Angels, they're non-terrestrial beings. It doesn't mean they don't have a substance. It's just the substance of heaven. It's the substance of the unseen or the invisible, not the substance of the seen. Okay. Now, a flame has to do with uh, it has to do with a blaze. It has to do with fire. It means to burn. He makes his ministers a flame of fire. Uh, how many have ever heard a testimony about somebody seeing an angel and they talk about fire? There's a reason why. It's because that's how they appear. Psalm 104 verse 4 says so. So we could say, according to just that particular scripture and that particular feature, now we'd have to judge the whole thing on what took place against all the scripture that we know for that, that particular encounter. But we could say if somebody saw something that was almost wind-like or they felt something that was wind-like. You know, it's, some, it's interesting. They use wind because wind is something that's not seen, but it's definitely seen. It's, it's, it's uh, what it produces is seen. And so angelic activity is much the same. It's unseen, but what it produces... I actually got the privilege of meeting a man who, um, his name is Paul Benison. And this was years ago. And we were in a meeting together years and years ago. And uh, it was just after Heidi and I moved home from, from uh, Tulsa when we were down at Bible College. And we were um, in a service with him. And uh, this gentleman actually uh, was in a car accident where his vehicle was smashed between two vehicles and it was crushed, completely crushed. And um, what's unique about this is that as the vehicle was, as he was getting hit or this accident was about to happen, he knew it was going to happen. An angel actually jerked him out of the vehicle and put him back behind 
the vehicles. To where he's standing there looking at the vehicle uh, that just got crushed. And the lady next to him said, man, whoever was in there is dead. And he, he's going, I, I was in there. <laughs> and so, but he was out of there. Well, do I have scripture? Now, I don't know if he saw the angel. Maybe he did. I, I can't remember exactly, but I know this. That's an unseen force that had a, had a physical manifestation. Okay? So that's what spirit is here. Spirit unseen, but not immaterial. It's not, there's no material. It's just not the material of what we're used to, this here. So it's invisible. All right, so flame talks about fire, or talks about um, like a blaze or a burning. Um, I know heat can be something that's associated with the spirit realm. Fire, here, flame of fire, it represents God's presence as a torch of fire. And it came to pass that when the sun, this is Genesis fifteen seventeen, that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a flaming torch. And that was God and Jesus. And what do we know? The presence of God is represented as what? As a fire. So would it be strange that God's creation, that their nature, their substance would be fire? And spirit. Is God not spirit? Is he not fire? The scripture says he's a fire from the loins up and a fire from the loins down. So in Hebrews 1.7 we see, and of angels he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. So then the writer of Hebrews repeats Psalms 104.4. Hebrews 1.13 says, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits? Verse 14 again, sent forth. They're ministering what? Spirits sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. They are spirits. They do not have bodies in the sense that man does, but this does not mean that they are not real individual creatures, both finite and spatial. However, they stand in a freer relation to time and space than man. Many can be present at one time in a very limited space. As Jesus and this is a scripture out of Luke 8.30 to prove this point that many can be present in a limited space. And this is actually talking about fallen angels or demons, but it, the principle applies the same. It says this, and Jesus asked him saying, what is your name? And he said, legion, because many devils were entered into him. Here's a guy who potentially has a thousand demons inside of him or whatever, however many a legion was, and they're all inside of him. How is that possible? Because angels are spirits. They're not terrestrial bodies. They're celestial. Okay, secondly tonight, and we'll wrap up with this. We do not worship angels. We do not worship angels. Actually, you know what? I'm going to skip that. I'm going to use that for another time. So if you wrote that down, sorry. <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, I'm actually going to go to um, down here and talk about um, angels have personalities. Angels have personalities. That's what I want to hit tonight because we talked about that last week. And then I'll go back to the other um, next week. Angels have personalities. Angels have personalities. My mouse is trying to, there we go. Trying to mess up on me here. So angelic beings are created in God's image and likeness. They show his image and likeness. They show that like God, they possess intellect, 
sensibility, and emotions. And they have their own will. Okay? Now we're going to look at this. Their intellect is greatly developed, far surpassing ours. They are full of joy when someone repents. And they are grieved when someone walks contrary to the will and purpose of God. Talking about holy angels. 2 Samuel 14.20. 2 Samuel 14.20. Watch this. This talks about angels' wisdom, knowledge. 2 Samuel 14.20 says, To bring about this change of affairs, your servant Joab has done this thing. But my Lord is wise according to the wisdom of the angel of God to know everything that is in the earth. So there's a wisdom in angels. They have a knowledge and understanding. Do you know that they can actually learn? I'm not going to get into that tonight, but the scripture says they desire to look into salvation. They desire to. Well, how can an angel have a desire if they're just a robotic creature, creation? They can't. They're more than just a robotic thing, okay? All right, angels have intellect and wisdom. Uh, Let's look at this. Angels are inquisitive. 1 Peter, and I just quoted this to you roughly, chapter 1, verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached and the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. Things which angels desire to look into. So here we see that angels are inquisitive. They desire to look into something that they do not fully understand. Let's look at another one here. Angels have emotion. We know they do because they praise. Psalm 148 verse 2. Psalm 148 verse 2. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. So the angels know how to get down and praise. They know how to, they know how to exalt and honor the Father. Okay? Um, and so we don't want to be out, we don't want them to outpraise the Father on our behalf, okay? We want to outpraise the angels. So it should be frequent through your day. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. That should be, you know, the world cusses. Those that don't know the Lord curse and, 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 and agree with darkness. Those that know the Lord need to agree with light and bless. I love what uh, Pastor Larry says at Breakforth. Uh, one of the, one of the part of his goal was to change the name of Jesus from a curse word to a praise word in, in his area. And I thought that's great. You know, uh, people use the, the name of the Lord wrong uh, quite often. And that needs to stop. All right. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. This is the last verse here. Luke chapter verse, chapter 15, verse 10. Here we're going to see that angels have emotion. It says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. They have joy. You know, sometimes as ministers, and I know through the years I've done this, 
But, you know, we'd have some services where you get several people born again. And then other services where nobody got born again. And then you got one service where one person did. And your flesh kind of wants to go, well, that, you know, it's just one. No, th- there is as much joy over one as there is over a thousand. It doesn't make any difference. And uh, really, if you think about it, people only get saved one at a time. <laughs> if you really think about it, okay? They may be in a group, but it was a bunch of individuals that got saved. They didn't get saved as a group. They got saved individually. So it's just one at a time. So we need to rejoice when people get born again because the angels are rejoicing. You say, what do you mean by that? They're having a foot stomping, jump up and down, shout out loud, glory to God. Salvation is activated and working in the earth, even though Jesus is long resurrected and out of the planet. So praise the Lord for that. So they have joy. They are moral beings created with the ability to know and do that which is right or wrong. They have been rewarded for obedience And they have been punished for disobedience. This is true. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. 2 Peter 2.4 And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Jude Six. There's only one chapter in Jude, so it's verse 6. There was a time of probation during which angels could choose to obey God or to disobey. I'm proving right now that they had a free will. Or to disobey. Those who disobeyed were cast out, while those who obeyed were confirmed in their stand for God. We do not read of any angels falling after the period of probation passed. All right, so just to recap real quickly, we talked about the fact that there's ranks, we talked about the fact that angels are spirits, and we talked about the fact, the truths in Scripture, that angels actually have personality. They're not just robots. So there are three things you now know about angels that you didn't know before. Now, you need to be keeping these things uh, uh, in front of you and keeping notes as you go, because This is all going to build on itself, excuse me, to where at the end, we're going to come, this is all going to come together, and you're going to see how you walking in obedience through faith, following the principles of faith in the scripture, actually activates the angelic, the holy angelic world or the angels that are operating for the kingdom of God on your behalf and on your where you are in your family in all these things okay and um uh so please please listen take the notes put it all together because in the end this these truths we're not we're not just giving you facts okay this is something that the church really has to constantly be reminded of. We're not just gaining knowledge. You know, the world worships information. And they even worship intellect in people who know a lot of things. People will buy parenting books by people who don't even have kids, but they have a PhD, so they must know something about kids. They don't. 
You can't fully know unless you have them. You need to have them. You know, when Heidi and I had one kid, man, we really knew a lot about all those parents that had a bunch of kids and didn't, you know, weren't doing what they were supposed to. And then we had two, and then we lived a little while longer and realized, ah, just leave it alone. <laughs> we just need to go with the Bible. The Bible's right. <laughs> just point people to the Bible, you know? And, and it's the same way in, in, in uh, scriptural things. Guys, it's not enough just to know what this says. It has to be applied. The blessing will not come without application. It won't. It won't. Okay? Now, I feel like I need to say this. It's actually come up on my heart a couple of times, and I'm going to wrap up with prayer. I'm done talking about angels right now, but I just need to address this issue uh, because it keeps coming up in my heart. And so maybe there's somebody watching uh, tonight who was watching on Sunday. And I just want to say this. Um, there were a couple of things that I said Sunday that probably came across pretty strong, whether it be about, you know, uh, specifically what's coming up in my heart right now is this, is um, that I spoke to this idea that all of our circumstances need to be just right for us to have peace. And I, I think I mentioned uh, maybe hunting or fishing, something like that, something to the effect that I need to be out, you know, in the middle of nowhere in order for me to have peace. Listen, that was not meant to be derogatory in any way. And so I just want to say this. If that offended you, I apologize. I didn't mean to. My point in that is this, and this is what I'm trying to get across. If external circumstances are what are required for the church to have peace, then we're not reading the scriptures on peace correctly. And my intention isn't, my intention is to, to dig on you a little bit to get you to think about it. My intention is not to just offend you for the sake of offending you for picking a fight. But I don't care if it's hunting, fishing. I don't care if it's sports. I don't care if it's I have to have a certain kind of house, a certain kind of car. If I'm not making a certain amount of money, I can't have. If my family isn't doing all these things, then I can't have peace. Guys, that's not how peace comes. And I'll be honest with you. You are numbing the actual root of the problem. And that problem will never fully go away until you allow the Lord to work in your heart. Every believer that I know, including myself and many mature believers that the Lord has put around me, there's one common thing in them that causes them to develop like they should. They're humble. And they go before the Lord and they humble themselves before the Lord. And they allow that word and people in their lives that are either in leadership with them or that are brothers in arms or sisters in arms together in this to check them on areas where they, you know, honestly, we all have areas that we just don't want anybody else to touch because we don't want to deal with it. But if we're really going to grow and develop spiritually, we have to allow the Lord to get into those areas because I'm going to be real honest. I do not believe that the world around us. I believe the glory will raise up. There's no question. I do believe that. I believe we'll see great, some of the greatest manifestations in the church collective that we've ever seen. But I also believe that persecution will arise and it will get stronger. And the scripture is pretty clear on that. 
And so we need to be able, we need to be in a place of spiritual maturity to where we can be at peace on lockdown. (laughs) Because when we get free, if it isn't lockdown, it'll be persecution. Guys, the wheat is going to get more weedy and the tares are going to get more tarry. You say, that's not even biblical or not even a, a real word. I know it's not. But the point is, is that righteousness and unrighteousness is developing side by side right now. Because people have to have opportunity to repent. And we'll see many converted. But there will be a lot that won't. And we need to be aware of that. So, God bless you guys. Be encouraged. Thank you for joining us tonight. You can like, share, follow all that stuff on Facebook. You can go to our YouTube channel and get it there as well. Um, We have stuff on the website as well. We will be back here Sunday morning at 1030. And we will keep you posted on uh, after we hear information from our uh, chief, uh, our head medical person here in Yellowstone County. So God bless you guys. Have a great evening. We'll see you soon. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.